Hello and welcome back to the In and Around podcast. I'm your host, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is David Harris. Hello. And Mike Breslin. Hello. Um, if you're new to the In and Around pod, what it is, the three of us, every week we get together and we debate the key issues and things that are happening in and around the world of football. This week we're going to be talking about the Premier League uh, fixtures that happened at the weekend, which was a bit odd given that there was supposed to be a winter break in effect, but Everton played Palace and Brighton played Watford, and there was a little game without controversy at all in Sheffield, Bournemouth. We're also going to talk about the EFL, are Leeds faltering, and are they like Dave said on a much earlier podcast? bottling the championship we're also going to talk about david harris's beloved blues because uh it's been seven episodes seven eight episodes it's eight episodes eight. and uh we haven't really given him enough chance to talk about them uh, we might we're also probably going to talk a bit of league one maybe a bit of league two to really uh complete our walk around the leagues but before we get down to any of the oh i've just remembered Chelsea have apparently agreed to deal for Hakim Ziyech. <laughs> and the, the big question is, can he play left-back or can we just fire our left-back at the moon? But we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, before any of that happens, uh, Dave, I'll come to you in a minute. Mike, I hear you played football tonight. Yeah. What was the score? Uh, to be fair, I actually lost count. We won, off, I think, about 10-1. Something yeah, yeah, in that 10-1. region, <laughs> I believe. Um, Decent. Were you on the winning team? I was indeed, of course. <laughs> You should, you should know this by now. How many um, did you get? I actually only scored one. I was the uh, linchpin at the back. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Missed a few big chances <laughs> that we won't talk about. <laughs> Dave, are you all right? Yeah. Just same old at work, really. Yeah. Um, what's, just a quick uh, PSA. That's public service announcement, Dave. Um, <laughs> again, I'm at death's door, so I'm even worse this week sounding, so these two are going to carry the pod for you. They're going to give you their uh, hot takes and uh, I'll just reserve for snide comments about Emerson and Spurs. Um, speaking of the Premier League, what a segue that is. Glorious, um, <laughs> Flawless. Uh, Everton played Palace at the weekend. Resurgent Everton, who we accused of having no bottle. Um, they won 3-1. Bernard with a lovely goal with Charleston, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Christian Benteke scoring the goal. There were lots of little things happening in and around this game great podcast um brez me and you were just watching the bernard goal and you wanted to give him a quick shout out on the pod i just yeah the, the technique to that finish is just glorious it's so good um and by the way the uh cross from walcott as well yeah pretty good as well um yeah that's a cracking goal calvert lewin scores again uh, which is <laughs> Starting to get pretty annoying now. It's ridiculous. Turns out he's quite good. Uh, Richarlison scored another good goal. Yeah, Yeah. that was a really good goal. Um, Everton up to seventh now, which I have no idea how they got there. It just shows you how poor the league has been as a whole this year. Yeah. Really? Um, Yeah, they've gone above United, above Wolves, Arsenal again. Um, They're only a point behind Spurs, three behind Sheffield United. I'm, we'll get on to but they're still fifth which mm. is wild could they could they get into the Champions League wilder yeah. some say Mike <laughs> that's a truly terrible joke wilder barely even know her um, <laughs> um, yeah Everton, Everton in the last five in the Prem 1-3 drawn two uh, all games you'd probably last season would have expected them to win yeah. maybe not earlier this season yeah. uh, in that time they played Brighton West Ham Newcastle Watford and Palace so Usually you'd expect them to I win. Mean, if you really want to extend the stat for the Everton fans out there, it's actually only one loss in ten. Which was to Man City. And uh, yeah. you can't get too down about a loss to Man City. No, we can be surprised that there are Everton fans out there. Um, <laughs> quick thing, Theo Walcott went off injured very early in the game. He scored uh, the winner last week in a crazy game against Brighton. Did really Watford. well. Watford. Watford. Really, they play, West Ham played a crazy game against Brian. Yeah. It's in my head. It's in my head. Um, <laughs> Close. <laughs> uh, but it was almost like a microcosm of uh, Theo Walcott's career, isn't it? Uh, yeah. sets, up, sets up a goal, scores a winner, gets injured. Yeah, unfortunately, story of his career, really, isn't it? Yeah. Starts to hit the ground running somewhere and a run of form and always seems to get injured. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, like you said, Mike, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored again, and um, 
is this a case of just someone having a really good season and then you don't think they're ever going to be able to repeat it again? Or do you think it's a case of he's done his time in the league, he's got better rapidly, not rapidly improved, but he's improved. Um, do you think this kind of production from him is here to stay? I would be surprised, but he's starting to look... Uh... I mean, he is keeping it up over a fairly long period. 11, 11 goals this season in the Prem. Um, I, I sometimes like to bring out the old XG. And he's pretty much exactly where he should be. Mm. So he's finishing his chances, as you'd expect. Uh, which is a good sign. He's not way overperforming, which would lead you to believe if they keep creating him chances, there's a good chance he'll be able to keep it up. Which... If, if you'd have said he'd have 11 goals in 24 this season at the start of this year, I'd have told you where to go. Dave, if you're Everton and you were you're sat in the summer and most people would have logically thought that their striker signings haven't really worked out, bar Richarlison, who's one of these winger-striker hybrids. Um, if you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin or DCL, as people like to call him, uh, performing at this level, do you go out and buy another striker or are you um, content to sit where you are? I think Everton would be stupid, really, because, I mean, even Richarlison's, what, 22? Calvert-Lewin's 22, 23. Uh-huh. Uh, Moise Keane's 21? Or 19, 20, 19 I think. 19 is he's, he's really young. Um, three very good young players. Um, I mean, realistically, there might be a big bid coming for Richarlison, um, if what was said a few weeks ago is actually to be believed. <laughs> Yeah. Um, not necessarily Barca, uh, just in general, someone might come in for him. Um, I don't know. And Calvert-Lewin, to be fair, is proving himself to be consistent. So, yeah. I mean, if he somehow ends up not scoring for a prolonged amount of time near the end, maybe they go into the market. But otherwise, I'd say stick with what they've got really up top. Yeah. But, I mean, actually, it's funny you mention Richarlison because he's obviously a talented player. And there was a lot of mockery around the eighty-five million fee. And I know that I'm happy to mock that. I'm I'm personally of the opinion that uh, which I don't believe. I just believe it was people trying to get Barcelona to bid for another player. Rodrigo was the player. Um, however, at that stage of the window, people mocked Everton for turning it down. But he's probably worth eighty-five million to Everton. Yeah, players' valuations fluctuate, and they are different values to different teams so for Everton at that point in the window they were 85 million anyway that was me Miss Oakbox um, Benteke scored a goal uh, but should have been saved shouldn't it Mike yeah um, I quite like Benteke it's nice to see him grabbing a goal but I mean seriously it was straight straight down Pickford's throw he has got to do so much better with that I mean pretty much any goalie in the league you'd back to say that not um, Kepa maybe, maybe not maybe not Kepa or Roberto it's, uh, yeah maybe not him either <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's one of those where they just the keepers kind of like dive over the ball and it yeah. slides under him and you hate you hate to see it uh, but he's got to do better with that if he's going to be England's number one at the uh, at the Euros this summer which personally I don't think he should be as mm. we've made I think pretty clear on this podcast yeah, that's an interesting point because after the game um, Pickford was sort of like out and getting pretty abrasive about the fact that he thinks everybody hates you if you're an England player. Um, without moving it away from Pickford for a second, we'll get back to him and whether or not he is good enough to be England's number one. But he's very interesting comments um, about uh, everyone hates you if you're an England player. Do you think, Dave, that people do tend to criticise the players that play for the country more? I think the media scrutiny they get, to be honest, is... It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, especially when you consider, like, look at the World Cup 2018. Everyone was riding that wave, Southgate, all like humour. We went out and Kyle Walker got savaged by the press. Like, yes, he made a mistake, but at the end of the day, it's even when, even when there's support for them, it feels like temporary. Um, and when you look at the treatment of players like Sterling by the media, he's basically been attacked... Yeah. Um, I don't know and when it comes to England there's so many uh, opinions flying around about who should be in the squad and starting 11 anyway Yeah. Um, that yeah 
sort of get where he's coming from with that. It sort of fires you up, doesn't it? Because I remember before last summer's World... Not last summer's, whenever the World Cup was. Time is a, is gone. Um, we were arguing in our group chat about uh, whether or not John Joe Shelby should be going over Eric Dyer. That's why I was, that's when I was like, well, we're just not arguing about England anymore. Um, Mike, Harry Maguire, beloved at the World Cup, slabbed himself, got a cracking song, still beloved by the England fans when he's playing for England. But do you think he's come in for undue criticism or do you think he's sort of overrated based on his England performances? Uh, yeah, there's definitely potential for that. He's been pretty good for England over a decent period now. Uh, he's definitely... I, I would say he's, he's pretty much the shoe-in at centre-half at the moment for England. Um, yeah, I'd agree. And that obviously comes with its pressure. Um, don't necessarily think he's had quite the season United were hoping for and they paid £80 million for him. But he has shored up their defence more. Uh, it's, it's a tough one whether he's overrated or he's come in for too much stick or whatever. Um, I'd, I'd say he probably is slightly overrated some people were saying in the summer that United got the third best centre back at Leicester That's, I mean that is the benefit of hindsight <laughs> well yeah no one even knew who Sion Choi was I was I was pretty happy with us going for Maguire when we did personally um, I like him a lot he's, he's a solid centre back yeah bringing it back round to Pickford quickly um he might think that he's coming, everyone hates him or whatever, he's coming for some unfair criticism. It seems a strange time when you've just made a pretty poor error mm. to um, decide this is the time I'm going to come out and say this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know yeah. what you mean. If, if you've had a couple of blinders in a row mm. and you're still getting some criticism from here or there, that would seem like a better time to me. I, he admittedly made a good save which was quite brave and that's something I think Pickford is really good at being brave um, and he makes some saves that you might expect him not to but some of the easy easy ones you always feel like there's a mistake in him and that as a centre back like Keenan Mina it was at the weekend that would concern me really. they must be terrified every yeah. week Dave? Uh, I mean maybe what Pickford's trying to say is that I mean this whole season we're getting towards the Euros Everyone's been debating number one. There's been breakthrough keepers like Henderson and Ramsdale. Uh, obviously, Nick Pope. He's he's constantly under sort of media scrutiny in that debate. So maybe what he's trying to say is that he feels that this has unsettled him. Uh, but yeah, as as you say, Mike, it's not like he's not ever made mistakes before. Um, yeah, I just think maybe he's trying to give himself some justification for maybe downturn in form in his own eyes. Yeah, I, I agree that players get treated differently if they're England players. Um, I think that they get treated, usually they get a bit overrated and stuff. Like Adam Lallana, the money he went to Liverpool for wouldn't, doesn't happen if he's not English and an England player. Um, I think what's really interesting with Pickford is he, again, like you think, Mike, he's not playing well. And when you're not playing well and you're a goalkeeper, it's far more noticeable than when you're a different player who's not playing well. However, players like Lampard and Gerrard, when they used to play for England, for example, they came home and they put in, at worst, a 7 out of 10 performance every week. And then they never really saw any undue criticism. So I think, although you've got an increased spotlight, if you're performing well, you're going to get... You're not going to get shafted like he seems to be suggesting. Yeah, the England fans will love you if you're playing well. Yeah, yeah, and the fact the fact is, it's the life of a goalkeeper. You, the only way you ever really the hero, it feels like, is if you save a pen and you're always practically the zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a goalie, yeah, you've got to be used to this. Yeah. You can make six fantastic saves, and if you're the one that makes that mistake, like he did at the weekend. You cost your team a goal. It's the obviously it's the last line of defence, so you're under, like you say, the most scrutiny of any player on the pitch, pretty much. But luckily for Jordan Pickford, there exists a keeper in the league called Kepper, <laughs> who, despite having it in his name, might be the worst Kepper in the league. <laughs> um, let's move on from ever. Actually, quick word on Palace. They just seem to be treading water, don't they? Classic Palace, sort of. Yeah. Uh, very. No, they show. 
sparks of of looking okay, but they are starting to slide down the table. I think Roy would be looking to pick up a couple of wins in the ne- in the next month, really, just to just try and get a bit of momentum going because they were going pretty nicely, but their form's really gone downhill. Um, well, we keep saying this: Sahar's having a bad season. Yeah, no win in eight, not a win for eight games now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the only thing I'd say about them is I feel they're more solid defensively I mean, than a next, lot of the other teams around them. Next four games are uh, Newcastle, Brighton, Watford, Bournemouth. So start picking up some points. Yeah, some that's points where there. that's where Royal want them to start. You'd realistically want at least two wins out of that four, really. And uh, my fantasy team would love Zaha to start scoring because dear God, do I need some points? Um, let's move on though. Brighton Watford one one. Dave, we're not we're not going to give you the opportunity to say they should have kept Chris Hughton <laughs> for like the fifth week. Well, really. I mean, he's not going to have done anything in that game, as he will. Um, let's talk about Watford actually, because and in particular, Mike uh, Abdullah Decore. What do you think of him? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Decore. Big big fan. Um, it's. It's not often you, um, particularly at the bottom, you find a player like him um, kicking about ill, where he kind of just drags them forward. He, he reminds, reminds me a bit of like Yaya Torre. Yeah. Um, he is really good on the ball, obviously really physical. Mm. Um, and yet, with uh, Pereira and Delefeu out wide, you've got Dini up front. And then Decore, Capu, and Hughes. Quite like that as a. That's a good yeah. base. It's not bad, is it? Yeah. Uh, for Watford. It's a shame about their defence, really, but you got Foster in goal, so. All round, it's not actually that terrible a team. And it was, it was certainly a nice goal from Decore against Brighton. Yeah, very yeah. nice. Um, very, very nice. Interestingly enough, he's been talking about potentially being on the move and that Watford are going to make it really easy for him to go. Um, yeah. If he wants to, because he's a shame. he's outgrown that club. Um, yeah. What club do you think a he would go to and b that should be going for him? Because I think he's probably good enough to play top half of the table. I mean, it's a strange one. If Tottenham hadn't spent all that money in Ondembele, I'd say they'd maybe make a case for him to go to Tottenham. Mm. But is he a bit too much like Sissoko in terms of driving? Yeah. Perhaps, a bit of all action. Um, so I'm trying to think really where he could fit in. Would you have him at United? I was about to I say. I was going to say if Hogba goes, yeah, yeah, he would be perfect really to come in. It would be um, sign a gala, get the core. Oh yeah. Dear oh dear, what yeah. for becoming a feeder club? We'll take Ben Foster back as well <laughs> if they like. Um, I'd actually quite like to see him at Arsenal. Just a, yeah, oh, be a great spot to be fair, yeah. A bit because, of steel in there, that'd bit, be nice. A bit of steel, Decoring a bit of drive. I'll tell you what, I'd like be yeah, very I'd happy like to that. very happy to never see Gwendozy play the game of football again. <laughs> he's just such a little rat. God I hate him. I like him a lot. I like <laughs> Well, he's one of them I'd absolutely love him if he was playing for the Chelsea. Yeah, I'd would. be on there every week evangelising about him. He's got a little bit of the Costa about him. Yeah, um, that's exactly that. That's your yeah. version of Foster. Oh, God, I, I I love players who who are just hateful. Um, <laughs> it was not the greatest own goal from Mariapol, was it? Well, actually, it was a cracking finish. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, it's what what's more annoying about that is is Glenn Murray behind him had stopped running, so he wasn't <laughs> even going to get on the end of it. Does Glenbury ever run? I was going to say, can he even run anymore? <laughs> well, he was running and then he stopped. Anyway, as the defender, obviously, he's got to play it. Mm, yeah. Uh, you know what he's trying to do. Just put it wide of the post, take the corner, everyone can reset. Um, it just happens that he got it wrong and stuck it in his bottom corner. It's actually really unfortunate because Watford could do with, could have really done with, those, done points with those points. Because um, they've so, after they had a really hot start under Nigel Pearson, they've sort of tailed off, haven't they? Uh, they have, yeah. Um, do we know exactly when Nigel Pearson came in? Uh, he took over. Uh, well, they haven't won before for ages before. Okay, uh, it was a Man United game, something like that. Was it? Okay, so feel like. That sounds about right. Yeah. 
It was Liverpool, was it not? Okay, yes, so. Liverpool it was, yes. So they lost 2-0 to Liverpool on the 14th of December, then they beat United 2-0, drew with Sheffield United, then they beat Villa, beat Wolves, which is a hell of a result. Mm. Uh, both of those two games, they got red cards. Um, went to Bournemouth and won, held Spurs, lost to Villa recently, which was a huge win for Villa, obviously. And then... They spurned the two-goal lead against Everton yeah. last week, and now they've drawn they with lost, uh, Brighton. They really could have done with this one. The loss to Villa really is going to hurt them as well come the end of the season, I think. Because we, we talked about them pulling themselves up because we think they've got a nice team a while ago. Are you still confident that they could possibly make it out of the relegation zone and stay in the league? I mean, they've definitely got some quality, but... When you look at a team like West Ham that seems to have quality as well, I'm not sure that really means anything at this point of the season. Um, looking at their remaining fixtures, I mean, they've got not to play... Bad, but... They do have to play the entirety of the top six. Oh, so there's uh, at least two wins not Spurs. But not Spurs. Oh, right, but they have win. to play Leicester, uh, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea. That's a win. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing is, they're playing a lot of teams that are down there around them. So if they can pick up points against them, then they'll be okay. They'll be okay. Yeah. But I think it really just comes down to if they pick up the points where you expect them to. Yeah, they've got some huge games coming up. Hmm. Huge games. Um, I like Nigel Pearson. Funnily enough, I think he's done a pretty good job there. Yeah. Um, I would like to see them stay up, to be honest, and I think they probably will. Yeah, they they're currently uh, they're still nineteenth, but they're uh, level on points with West Ham in eighteenth. Just one behind Villa, two behind Bournemouth, three back from Brighton. So we could, if they hadn't thrown away the points against Everton and Brighton in the last couple of weeks, they'd be well. They'd basically be where Brighton are, fifteenth, yeah. couple of points above. But here they sit in nineteenth uh, still. We'll, okay. see. we'll see before we move on I just want to hand out a quick award to Glenn Murray um, it's the Everyman Award because um, I don't think if I walked into a pub and Glenn Murray was in there having a pint I'd know it was Glenn Murray I wouldn't know it was a footballer I'd just be like oh it's a bloke Steve from down the road <laughs> I was thinking this when I was watching the game um, let's move on <laughs> for that total tangent uh, Sheffield United beat Bournemouth 2-1 in Windy conditions that look like the final 30 minutes of Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Um, that's a reference as well. Uh, Sharp, Lundstram and Callum Wilson scoring the goals. That means Sheffield are um, two points behind the mighty Chelsea, which yeah. is a sentence I never wanted to say. Um, quickly, let's talk about Lundstram because um, he was a really nice goal. Quick feet to win it. Um, here's the thing though he does not sound like I expected him to sound have you heard him speak yeah good lord he's what? a scouse yeah, is he, yeah he's he a scouse at, he was at oh Everton and then he went to Yeovil in the championship then Oxford and then Wilder took him from Oxford to Sheffield he's, United he sounds wild right this is how Wilder um, this is this is how he sounds like imagine Tom and Jerry imagine Jerry was a scouse and Jerry had snorted helium <laughs> Because that's how yeah, he sounds. He's got a very high Scouse accent. <laughs> like that. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, anyway, back to him being a really good football player. Has he, he's been sort of out the team lately. But... Yeah, I've noticed with him on my fancy draft. Uh, I'm with Moussa, actually. Um, I mean, I understand Moussa more, but Lundstram has lost his place probably to try and accommodate Burge, um, yes. the new signing, who... Wow, he looks a unit, doesn't he? He, does. He's um, huge. he does look, on a serious note, a promising player. Um, it's just a strange, strange team. <laughs> the fact that Lundstrom somehow has been dropped. Yeah, it's they are a fascinating team to watch. They're amazing, aren't they? They've got centre backs overlapping, which is incredible. Uh, and Burge obviously looks a really good pick because United were linked with him as well, weren't they? Yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't necessarily make him a good no, pick true, up, but yeah, true. he does look like a good player for once. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just amazed that Billy Sharp is starting games in the Premier League and get, getting goals still. Two still. goals this season, both against Bournemouth. Uh, well, that's it, I like that. Yeah. John, John Flax, the big surprise in the team for me, to be honest. 
thought championship was maybe his level, but here he is playing consistently well week in, week out in centre mid. Yeah. They're a a really good story. Um, To be honest, they are... They're only two points behind Chelsea. Um, Do we think that Sheffield United are going to get Europe? Are Sheffield United going to finish fifth? Do you you want me to go out on a limb here? Okay. Yeah, they are. (laughs) They're going to finish fifth? Yep. Who finishes fourth? They're going to finish fifth or sixth. Can I can I have that? Okay, yeah. Sixth yeah. for still Europa League, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to be in Europe next year, which would, uh, which might be a bit of a problem for yeah, them. That would be season. a real problem for them. Really yeah, Oli McBurney, to be honest, uh, going abroad. You've seen him in the stands in the. <laughs> I was thinking more about the Swansea. football. <laughs> I was thinking more about okay. the football than Oli McBurney and Macchiarbi Tel Aviv away. Right, um, so I've got Spurs getting into the top four. Which I know is going to hurt you a lot. What? Yeah. Okay. Right. Chelsea to drop out and Chelsea to be fifth, Sheffield United sixth. I'll take fifth. I don't know who's coming seventh. It could be anyone out of Wolves, Man U, Everton. It could be any of those. Probably not Man U. So. Hey, Carlo's going to fire you to uh, seventh. Yeah, he's in the squad ready for Monday. <laughs> You're ready, Will. Yeah, I'm certainly ready for something. Um, interesting enough from this game, uh, Callum Wilson scored again. Uh, they still lost um, Bournemouth but Callum Wilson's back amongst the goals that's quite crucial for Bournemouth who've struggled with goals all season I mean they've struggled with football all season but <laughs> Callum Wilson not scoring has been a massive problem for them uh, are we talking about Bournemouth seemingly every week Does any is everyone still worried because I'm still worried for them you know I've always been worried for them well yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm concerned I, I don't think they've got as much quality of some of the teams around them. They're, they're two points clear right now, which is the good news. But both West Ham and Villa below them have games in hand. So that could all change. Yeah. Um, let's have a... a this, hopefully this won't be a debate. <laughs> Here it comes. Chris Wilder. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Manager of the Year. Let me give you the... Let me give you the cases. For Chris Wilder, promoted from the Championship, possibly going to get Champions League football. Uh, he's sitting around the Europa League spot. They haven't bought wildly. No. Um, <laughs> how, <many> wild re- <laughs> how many wild references are we right, going to get in there? Stop. Two points behind Chelsea. Chelsea do have a game in hand. But two points behind Chelsea. Doing really well. Jurgen Klopp. Are they level on games? They've played one more game. One more game. Okay. Okay. Um, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, they've dropped two points. Uh, thing that goes against his favour were they were against an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer team. Um, other than that, all scoring, defensive juggernaut, possibly going to win a gold Premier League trophy, dropping only two points. Who's manager of the year? Uh, I mean, if Klopp goes unbeaten. Breaks a points, the points record. As much as I love Wilder and what he's done at Sheffield United and the whole underdog story, I I just can't look past Klopp for what he's done. Okay, Brett. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh no, he's got a grin. I. Okay, I'm. I said before this podcast it was Klopp. I want to change my mind. Okay. I've just read something. What have you read? So, Sheffield United right now are fifth. So, you'll be surprised to hear that they are bottom of the average salary per player for the year. Uh, by quite a distance as well. So, if I can just... Just bear with me a second. So, Sheffield United per player annual salary is 728000 a year. Which is about 13, 14k a week. Yeah. If we just go and have a look, so Liverpool is 5.5 million. So that is what? How many times? Uh, my maths is terrible. That's, is that on average about 100k a week? It's a ton. Got to be some, yeah, 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 just over 100k. So <clears throat> when you consider the um, budgetary difference, I'm going to change my mind and say that actually, yeah, Wilder should be the manager of the year. Uh, Dave, I can't legally or morally make a case for Liverpool to win anything ever. Can you make a case for Jurgen Klopp? Uh, yeah, my thing with Klopp is 
what they're doing in the league is just outrageous. And yes, obviously, when you bring in that wages, it makes Wild, what Wilder's doing even more impressive. If it wasn't the first Liverpool team, I wouldn't have any opposition to Wilder. But when you consider that with Liverpool, there's Man City, who are, were the record breakers last year. Um, they're trouncing what some people still think is still the best Prem team. Um, and just what he's doing is absolutely phenomenal. Um, not, they could go the season unbeaten. They could break the records again. Um, yeah, if if they do that, then there's no way that Klopp doesn't get it for me. Um, also, interestingly enough about the financial side of things, I'm sure Man City have the highest wage bill in the league and they're, they're not doing what Klopp's doing. Is that Man City? Yeah. yeah they've got to have the highest. Yeah, wages. they are the highest. They're like so, 6, 6.9 million. Although, of, although your finances obviously matter hugely on what you can do, they're not a guarantee of the kind of levels of excellence that we're seeing from Klopp. And yeah, I mean, uh, they're pretty much, yeah, Liverpool are pretty much unparalleled. Yeah. In what they're doing and at the moment, ever. So, with it probably should be Klopp. I, I just like it to go to Wilder, just because I, I love what he's doing. With Liverpool, who has he bought this year? Minamino for £7 million. Is there anyone he's bought with any big money? Or at this moment in time, out of the contenders, is Oli McBurney the mo- and Sander Burge the most expensive players? Because Liverpool, as far as I'm aware... Had did they make any big signings in the summer? No. He just coached the team that he already had. I mean, which most of which he bought for us a, a lot of money. No, I know, but he's. <laughs> no, I am. I am with you because last week I had to go Pep Guardiola for not co- coaching his players. I'm not denying that, but <laughs> I'm a, we can't sit here. No, I, I'm not going to act <laughs> with a straight face. Say wasn't that. seventy-five million. Well, <laughs> well but he has. He's just bettered what he'd already created as a better team, and like. That is I, I surely think what win. everything a coach at the top should be doing, no? Yeah, I think he will win. Um, which is, an, is a nice segue into one of our listener questions. Um, because it, I think it mainly centres around Liverpool, this. Oh, um, the throw-ins? Yeah, yeah, Dave, have you got it somewhere? Let's, let's do it with the Stoke. Because Stoke as well. Oh, you want to do it with Stoke? Yeah, we'll come back to that. Okay, we'll because to I've got a better question for you, Mike. Oh, go for it. Um, you're a Man United fan, are yeah. you, aren't you, sir? I am. That's, that's not the question. Um, Dean a... Henderson yeah. or David De Gea? Two questions. Which one starts for Man United next season? Yeah. Is Dean Henderson the New England number one at Euros? Okay, well, um, De Gea is going to start for Man United next season. No! Um, I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but it's it's going to be De Gea. But it's, should it be? Um, not necessarily. I think Henderson will... Having Henderson there might actually push him on quite a bit more. Um, and I'd be tempted to go with Henderson personally, but I can't see, I can't see it happening. I would go with Henderson, because De Gea's situation kind of rem- reminds me of Ike Casillas playing for Spain after Ike Casillas was terrible for a while. Um, and they kept playing him almost based on name alone. And De Gea's not been... I'm not saying De Gea's been dreadful, but I'm saying De Gea's making more and more mistakes that De Gea shouldn't be making. And I'm beginning to wonder, given that he started his career of playing at the top level at such a young age, is he actually already had the prime of his career and is now ageing out? That's my worry with De Gea. There, there is potential for that. He's definitely made a lot more mistakes. Well, at the start of his career, when Fergie first bought him, he, was, he looked pretty poor from crosses. He was making the odd, some errors here and there. Then he became what I consider, and I think many others did, the best keeper in the world, and he was saving us points left and right. Yeah. And now he's, yeah, I mean, we've seen some serious mistakes in the last couple of seasons, which have cost us. Yeah, I... I'd like to see De Gea still be number one just because of yes he's made mistakes but how well he's done for United over his time however what I'd like to see from United is if De Gea keeps making mistakes that Dean Henderson gets his chance because I think he's a, he deserves his chance but to throw De Gea out of the starting eleven, I'm not sure we're there yet 
Yeah, if you drop De Gea, it's the end of his time at the club. Yeah. It just is. Um, interestingly enough, and perhaps the biggest indictment on De Gea is that um, Kepa starts over him at national level. Yeah, that's I mean, that is an absolute stinker. <laughs> oh isn't my it? god! Oh, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. Um, Dave, quickly, I'll ask you. Actually, Henderson is he England, clearly England's number one at the Euros? It's it's a tough it's a tough one. Well, uh, Henderson's been very good, but Nick Pope also has been pretty decent for Burnley. I like I like Ramsdale at Bournemouth. Oh god! Uh, I don't think he. No, I'm going to say Henderson, to be honest, should be number one. However, I'd still make a case for Ramsdale to start over Pickford if this was a Pickford debate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pickford shouldn't be going to the Euros, but he will, but he shouldn't be. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Henderson has definitely earned his chance to, to be number one. He's the best form English keeper in the league. I don't understand the Nick Pope thing. Because every time I watch Nick Pope, he's not great. Um... He see he plays in a very defensive team, uh, which sort of alters the quality of the shots. I guess he faces. I'm fairly certain. Yeah, could you? I'm not sure. He's he never makes a save where I go. Oh, how's Pope got that? Whereas I watch Henderson play. I'm like, he's just nuts. What's he doing? Yeah, but Nick Pope, I feel, goes under the radar. He makes a lot of he makes a lot of saves. Doesn't have to be spectacular. His job's just no, to save. No, I know. And one thing with uh, Nick Nick Pope is I feel like he commands his area very well, um, and he seems to be quite a good voice at the back. And I think with some of these other keepers, like look at Pickford, he's flapping his T Rex arms around at things because he doesn't communicate <laughs> yeah. with his defence. Yeah. Um, however, they're not. We're not talking Nick Pope versus Pickford. We're talking Nick Pope versus Henderson, really. I mean, Henderson has made a couple of mistakes this so season. No, so is Nick Pope. I think purely off form and the fact that Henderson has proven himself. He was great in the Championship last year too. Um, and the fact that he's been able to perform at the same level in the Premier League for me shows that he's ready to be given that chance as England number one. Okay. You know that Pickford's going to start number one. Yeah, oh, I know. yeah. I know. Okay, we all know this. I'm, I'm going to quote someone I hate. Thibaut Courtois in the... Uh, God, I don't like a lot of our keepers, our, our ex-keepers. Um, after they played uh, England in the World Cup, um, a goal had gone against Pickford and Courtois said, I'd have stopped that, but he's got short little arms. <laughs> Just loved it. Just loved it. I'm like, so it's, it's a perfect put-down from a bloke with a huge nose. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a different aspect of Sheffield United versus Bournemouth. Earlier today, and for posterity's sake, we're recording on Wednesday the 12th of February 2020. Um, Dan Gosling and Bournemouth have made complaints about referee John Moss, who refed the Bournemouth-Sheffield United game, saying that John Moss made sarky comments to them, I think both during and after the game. Um, Yeah. They included stuff like saying, essentially like, you guys are terrible, you're getting relegated, blah, 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 blah. And um, Dan Gosling uh, has complained about this at length, actually. He said he, John Moss was a disgrace. Um, so, there's two things here, obviously. Uh, there's a, probably a larger debate about referees and their their relationship with players on the pitch. And then I think there's a a conversation about Dan Gosling and the Bournemouth game in particular. Dave, you don't like Dan Gosling, so take it away. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's a bit... It's just a weird take from what, where I'm sitting, to be honest. The amount of times that Premier League referees get crowded around, audibly see them getting abused by the players verbally... Um, Often and, deservedly. Yeah, but... If you're going to argue that's deserved, Moss making a couple of jokes, does that is that not fair game then, no? And also, Dan Gosling for me, if I was a Bournemouth fan, I would not be happy with this. You're in a relegation scrap. You're fighting, you should be fighting for the shirt, to be honest, at this point. Giving it your all every game. You, can't, you come out of a game where maybe you should have done better. 
And you're blaming that on some referee comments. Like, what? what's he doing? He didn't blame their loss of the referee yeah, comments. But what, yeah, so. but he's saying that... it. He's saying that it wasn't fair, which is saying that it impacted the players. Because other, if it didn't impact the players, if they'd won that game, do you think he'd be caring about this? No, he wouldn't. He would, this wouldn't I even think be he in might the press. still complained. I don't think he would. I think, interestingly enough, is to me, this highlights we've got a bit of a problem in football with referees, in that we've either got to decide how we're going to... We're either going to have a really respectful... Uh, reverence realistically where the referees are the only ones who can joke and players have to be far more polite like for example in rugby where they have to say sir and things like that or we take a look at what other leagues such as the NBA are trying to do which is to have a more uh, symbiotic relationship between uh, referees and footballers including open dialogue where you can be a bit more jokey you can say a few more things um, this to me strikes as if Dan Gosling had turned around to the referee and said, ref, you are terrible at your job, blah, 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 blah. Fairly to John Moss. I don't think John Moss would have liked it. I think John Moss would have booked him for dissent. So I'm just curious of how you would fix the relationship between referees and players. Or if you've got a problem with it at all. Mr. President, as the only former referee... Uh, in the room, uh, the knobber in the black. Uh, there's, there's your explicit tag for this week. Uh, what do you What do you think uh, about it? The whole incident, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really like it from uh, from Mr. Moss. To be honest, I don't think there's any any need for a ref to be having any any banter with anyone. To be honest, you, your job's to ref the game, not uh, have a social with the lads. <laughs> You can go out for a drink with them on the night if you like, but um, yeah, I don't think uh, I don't really like. He's talking about you're still in the relegation zone. It's not my fault, you or something to, along those lines. What did he say? Yeah, you're still in the relegation zone. You're having one. Your team's having having one. I'm not the reason you're in relegation trouble. You are. Yeah. I don't. I don't really see why. I I don't like that at all. Yeah, but and. I think it was really interesting that Gosling came out after the game. He said the officials talked to us about respect at the start of the season, and today there was zero respect from John Moss. Uh, I mean, the thing that this highlights, which I think is worse on John Moss rather than just his comments, is does this not bring into question that maybe refs aren't always impartial? Because John Moss clearly in this game had something against Bournemouth. Um, I'm not... Okay, that's a leap. Yeah, no, yeah but, that feels but, a leap but, to but, me. But, but, I'm not going as far as, like, Matrix and whatever, but it does bring into question if he's... If John Moss, at least, is neutral going into games, or does he have things up against certain teams? Mike, you're shaking your head. Nah, I've, I don't really like that line, to be honest. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, no, that's, that's not for me. That. He's like, maybe you can't see Mark right now. He's actually in quite a stud show because I'll talk today about it. Um, I th- I personally, I think that's a leap. I think that John Moss being annoyed at a player and just saying, God, you guys are in trouble doesn't affect his impartiality at all. There's only ever been one biased referee, and that was Heading of Erbo in Chelsea versus Barcelona <laughs> semi finals. Um, I, I'm uh, was talking about this at my actual job today and uh, I said that because one of the guys I work with is a big fan of rugby and they were saying that this is exactly the type of thing that you would not at the same level but this kind of banter which is a few jabs it's the kind of thing you might expect from a rugby referee like uh, maybe yeah, what uh, Nigel Owens for yeah example. he's really he's yeah. good to be fair and he's a great watch he adds to the game so is this something we don't want to incorporate um or are you worried that it could just lead to impartiality, Dave? No, I mean, what you say about how to improve it, I think they just need to be more... Uh, they need to enforce the respect more. Uh, like, make... The players shouldn't speak to refs how they do. Um, you know, they're getting in their faces, swearing at them a lot of the time. They need to bring back that respect properly... Because things like this wouldn't happen if if there isn't that sort of 
maybe frustration from both sides. Things when things like this would also be they'd be more inclined to have more respect for the referees if they were better at their job as well. It's a thing I think that John Moss in particular, I did love the irony of him telling someone else you're having one. <laughs> um, uh, I just quickly want to throw this rule out there because when I was talking at work, I hate Chelsea players do it all the time. It really annoys me. Um, they crowd, they, they well. run up and they crowd around the players. Antonio Rudiger does it and I think it's just because he's angry most of the time. Um, however, I would love it I would them. love it if we beat them. <laughs> if we would say, if you're not only the captains are allowed to talk to referees, if you need to talk to the referee, captain comes with you. It would slow down the game, but I think it would be a thing that happens. And if you run up to the referee and you complain to the referee, automatic yellow card. It would it would it would be there would be some growing pains at the start. People yeah. would get sent off for it. It wouldn't take long though, would it? No, but it would learn? it would not take long. And that is your quick way to sort out that respect. But also yeah. Like I said last week, I really would love some more accountability for the referees. I really would. Even if it's just them explaining things over the tunnel, like we said. Anyway, we better move on because otherwise we're going to be talking about referees and John Moss all night. I don't really want to talk about John Moss. The worst Moss, very sister Kate. <laughs> um, moving on to the EFL Championship and uh, the... Leeds Leeds are falling apart again. It's beautiful, isn't it, Dave? Uh, Marcelo was right about it. Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds lost to Forest at the weekend, um, who were fifth and two points behind second. Uh, and then last night, Leeds had a a Spanish keeper in goal that made an error. Where have we seen that before? And they drew to. Brentford and their strike force of BMW, which is a, a terrible name for a strike force. Um, Dave, are you worried for Leeds? Are we not going to get to see Leeds in the Premier League? Uh, I, I, I don't know about not in the Premier League. There's a chance of the playoffs, Well, But I'm really not sure at this point that they're going to go up top two. Um, they've been treading water for a while. Most of the, t- the last few weeks, the only reason they've been in the top two is because other teams aren't picking up the results that would close the gaps. Like, believe it or not, Birmingham City even beat Nottingham Forest. <laughs> um, and Bristol City, who were two people that could have overtaken Leeds if they'd won those games. Um, yeah, they've just been going backwards for a long, long time. I, I saw a stat that I think they've picked up, I believe it's eight points since Christmas. Yeah, so what's really gone wrong? Because um, Calvin, Calvin Phillips has been out for a while and he came back last night and he looked very good. Um, but they've sort of, like you said, they've been treading water. And i tell you what, Mike, the boats are gone. It's windy. It's very It's gale windy. force, windstorm, Ciara's there. The people can't get on the shore. The shops are shut. No one knows where to go. Bamford Island. Bamford yeah. Continent looking pretty dicey. Yeah, there's been a mass exodus from uh, from Bamford Ooh, Island God. recently. He I is think, missing some chances. I think it's practically me and you. He's only scored twelve goals, which what this season? This season, that's not a bad five. return. Oh, it's my chances there. He's probably missed double figures more. of clear cut chances. Um, the thing with Leeds is they Crack don't the have an out 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 and out scorer, which every other team near the top does. In fact, Brentford have two, um, and Buemo and B in BMW, whose name I'm going to butcher. Yeah, that's the one, Will. Banana Rama. Look how it's spelt, Mike, and tell me it's simple. Okay. This is a man who... I get everything wrong, chaps. Everything wrong. Chaps. Chaps. Um, It's going to be a great race for promotion, isn't it? Because um, you've got a lot of people in and and around. Great podcast. The... uh, Top four, pretty tight. Who are you tipping, Dave? Championship Uh I think Fulham are going to be. Oh are God! Gonna go up. They've oh. they've got the best striker in the league, Mitrovic. That is true. They in do fact, I've really detested the bloke after the Sutherland <laughs> documentary. Lewis grabbing up Forest, some reason is still able to cut the mustard at Championship level, to the point where if Leeds had him instead of Bamford. They would probably be top of the league. I'll tell you what, they'd be much less. They'd be far worse off in the hairdo department there. <laughs> Bamford's got just a bouffant that you love. Uh, Mike, who do you, who are you picking to go up? Uh, yeah, I think West Brom will go up. Okay. Uh, 
They're currently six out of Leeds and Fulham. Um, Still not convinced with West Ham. I think they'll go up. I just don't think they'll go up as champions. Yeah. I think Fulham are going to go up as champions. First or second will do for them. Fulham have been on a really good run, so I'd say Dave's probably right. If Leeds are going to drop out, it would probably be Fulham or Brentford would be my I mean, two bents. Outsiders... I have to watch Fulham in the league again. I'm gonna be so upset. Yeah, I think you might do. Mitrovic makes, like David was saying, makes such a difference. Outsiders, Bristol City are looking pretty red hot at the moment. Um, they've really started to find their feet, and they're only three points behind Leeds. Um, Brentford, I really like them. They've got a good young squad. I just think they're maybe lacking the experience that most Championship teams need to really get themselves over the line hmm. um, interestingly enough though at the bottom you've kind of got a bit of a, a splinter group who you look like are going look like they're going down you've got Wigan um, Luton and Barnsley really struggling to pick up points interestingly enough the mighty Stoke City yeah. started picking up points after what feels like three or four seasons of total abject failure yeah, I mean, talking of failure down there, Middlesbrough, wow, they should be nowhere near down there uh, with the squad they have. And Huddersfield. Um, Huddersfield, to be honest, did they even come down with a good squad, is my argument. I don't don't really, didn't rate it when the team they ended up coming down with. Some of the players they'd signed, like Mapenza, I think his name is, who they got rid of already. Players like that, um, Reese Brown, they signed from Forest Green, who used to play for Blues, never really dedicated himself. The one positive of that team really is Colin Grant, who they signed from Charlton, who's a goal scorer. Uh, but that's about it in terms of Huddersfield, to be honest, which is bizarre to say about a team that's just come down from the Premier League. Yeah, I'd have thought the fan base um, and probably the players were expecting a top six playoff push and here they are in 20th but yeah like Will was saying it looks like Wigan, Luton, Barnsley are probably going to be the ones to go from this division Stoke (laughs) seem to be turning it around they will likely stay up Short another one at the moment they're six points clear um, of Wigan in 22nd Charlton are probably the one I'd say that are most at risk although they did just win uh, last night I think um, if Barnsley can sort out the defence I'd actually back them to still get out of it what, Connor Chad- nine points behind yeah they've got the game to sure? do it. I'd, I'd, I'd back them to get out of it Connor yeah. Chaplin is a very good striker at that level as is um, Corley Woodrow the thing that's been letting them down is goals that they've conceded scoring for them hasn't been a problem um, to be honest Stoker I imagine would only because of Michael O'Neill fine I still I'm not sure about Charlton <laughs> Reading or Huddersfield to okay. be honest um, firstly a free scoring team has never never gone down um, they're not a free scoring team they scored <laughs> the second least in the championships <laughs> exactly. yeah but in recent form They've, they've started to pick up. No, they haven't. They've lost they four have. in the last five. Mike, Mike, they've if been playing much If my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a if bike. You look at their, <laughs> if you look at their fixtures, they've had some of the top teams and they've been playing a lot better. Yeah, but it doesn't okay. matter. So is a Charlton one of the top teams? No. Not that I'm aware but of. But Bristol City, Preston, Sheffield Wednesday, teams okay. in and around the playoffs. Great podcast. <laughs> um... Okay, if you also lost the blues. Yeah, but mate, (laughs) we'd be anyone at the moment. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, We're actually going to talk about Michael O'Neill, and we'll get back to that question from earlier. Dave, get it up. Um, The question that is, Dave, send it on. Um, Michael (laughs) O'Neill. Well, (laughs) Michael O'Neill, I actually really like as a coach. Would he? his Northern Ireland team in the Euros were absolutely awful to watch, but they, he was himself like a really good story. Uh, Dave, the question is... Yeah, from Chris underscore 1477, is will throwing coaches be a necessity within the next 10 years? Now, quickly about this, um, and we'll get back to Stoke. Uh, I watched Stevie Nichols, who used to play for Liverpool on ESPN FC, <sighs> laugh in the face of someone who suggested the throwing coaches as well. 
And I just think I just want to say to American channels, if you want three inexperienced people who are happy to talk about football and are basically pterodactyls, we, we are available. Yeah, but I think I think we can do a better job than and, Shaka Hislop and Craig Burley. And Dave will bring you enough terrible takes that you still get the ratings. <laughs> um, also, Michael O'Neill said something really interesting about Thrones himself. He said he's really taken a look at it because. Um, for the amount of throwage you take, you can get possibly about a hundred more passes a game. You can be far more progressive with the football um, from having these really clever routines. And if you haven't seen Liverpool in particular's clever routines involving Wijnaldum and Henderson, I just honestly just search on Twitter Liverpool throw-ins because some of the videos are almost mesmerising. Um, but going back to Chris's question, we know that at the top levels of football, um, fitness and uh, tactics they start they become like um, homogenized and people just look for the smallest um, the smallest advantage so can you see it being one of those things where everybody has throw in coaches on staff things like this Mike um, yeah not not to be rude I first read this question I was like what like I, that, <laughs> that just seems ridiculous and then I thought about it and I Obviously, I have seen some of these videos um, on Twitter about Liverpool. When, yeah, when you think about it, it makes total sense. You've got a coach for pretty much everything else. If you, if you can have a guy specifically looking at this and come up with clever ways, routines, whatever, to create some space, uh, I don't see why not. All the big clubs particularly can afford a member of staff on probably not very much. They don't have to pay him much to do this, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, it wouldn't be their only job as well. Um, and you can come up with some pretty clever things. I don't know about 100 passes that Michael O'Neill says. I don't know if that's uh, a little bit over the top. But I don't think concern... his teams pay 100 passes a game, by the way. Yeah, probably not. Maybe 100 <laughs> passes for his teams, because yeah. they don't get any. But, um... but yeah, I think, I think it probably is the way forward. And uh, it will probably become fairly fashionable in uh, years to come. Dave, which... do I... you like it? Um, I mean, I think at this moment in time, it's pretty much only for teams that want to go out and play possession football as Liverpool do um, I mean for example a team like Burnley that play on the counter they, they're not going to care about this um, however in 10 years time uh, I think the football that everyone's trying to play is more keep the ball uh, rather than traditional Pulis ball um, that we have <laughs> seen in the last 10 years so yeah, I mean, I can. I wouldn't say that they're going to have a specific coach hired for throw-ins, but it's definitely going to be something that they'll start to coach into tactics um, in terms of ways they're going to play. It's going to become almost like a set piece, if you like, throw-ins. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, actually, I'd be really interested to see if we are still playing possession-based football in like um, the next. Uh, 20 years or so because as you see in football it's cyclical when you get someone who's possession then it's usually followed by them moving players forward and further forward and you eventually see counter-attacking brilliance um, however uh, I actually would love coaches for even more like really specific things like I'd love a coach at Chelsea that basically every time William and Mason Mount went to take a short corner he shot him with a gun <laughs> <laughs> When I go when I go back to rules, all I just if we ever change some rules, can we ban the short corner? Do you remember the rule with the goalkeepers where it's like um, if you unless you passing it outside the box, you have to retake it. Well, that was a rule till this season. No, let's. This is here's a rule for you. If you pass, if you try and cross the ball from a. And you hit if the you, first man, you're no, immediately cold. Here you go. If you take a corner and it doesn't get into the box. It's a goal for the opposition team. <laughs> That's what I'd like to see because I'm I'm bloody sick of seeing them. William every time he's like, oh, it helps me get better whip. You yeah. never beat the first man. Yeah, that the first man thing really gets on my nerves. They they must practice these things. These are these people have played a lot of money to beat the blooming first man, yeah. and they still can't do it. It is very interesting watching football with me and Mike because it is a it's an angry place. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, we promised. We'd let. I know we're getting slightly longer than two, but we promised, promised that we'd let you talk about the resurgent Birmingham City Football Club. So take it away, Pep Clotet, Barbie Army. Yeah, Pep Clotet. Uh, had some Clotet. reservations. Uh, come on, we're, we're all Is cultured it, now. Yeah, we like we them. Yeah. Um, Get about. 
And uh, Will didn't say anything like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Uh, I was very worried around Christmas and New Year, the way we were playing. Um, we brought in Scott Hogan. To be honest, he had been doing pretty poorly for Stoke. And he'd been poor for Villa since he signed for them. I think seven seven goals in 57 games for mm. Villa. I actually saw one. In the Championship. Um Three and three for us. I mean, Djokovic and Hogan's working really well. I think he got rid of a couple of players more from the board wanting to help with our wages. Like David Davis, I was surprised to go see out on loan as he was just starting to find form. We got Valauba out on loan, who was on decent wages, but didn't seem interested in anything other than putting pictures of him and his girlfriend on Instagram. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, we got rid of Jimenez, which I was a little annoyed about, but it's allowed him to create this 4-4-2, which seems to be working very well. And long may it continue, my only worry is we're very thin on the ground in terms of a squad. Hogan or Djokovic get injured, and we literally do not have another striker. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. They're almost like the perfect centre-forward partnership, aren't yes. they? Because he's... Jukovic is a target man and Hogan, all he wants to do is run in behind. Yeah, it's it's working very well. Uh, possibly to be first stroke of genius from Pep Clote, Um Which, whenever I've spoken about Blaise earlier on this podcast, hasn't been uh, particularly complimentary. But the last month or so, fair play, he's proven a lot of people wrong. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking, a stroke of genius, play a target man with a quick one. As well. Look, I remember Steve Brees doing that with Shane Long and uh, Jelovic at Hullwell and they got relegated, so... Yeah. Takes a, real, takes a real coach like Clote to manage it. Um, it's quite interesting, a bit of a turnaround, isn't it? Because at the start of the season, Blues were OK at home and they were dreadful away, but in they, they've got four wins and two draws in the last six. six. Um, could play quite away. Four have been away from home, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, so a bit of a turnaround. Is it just? What do you reckon it's been? Do you reckon it's just they're playing with more confidence, or do you reckon it's actually just getting the results? I the think players? a lot of a uh, turnaround actually depends on one very young player who's doing just unbelievable things. Jude Bellingham has really got our midfield ticking. Um, also, Jeremy Bella, who we got on a free transfer, is possibly one of the best signings we've made in at least recent years, if not since we came down to the Championship. Um, Sonjic is just very, very good uh, for that level. A bit of a coup, really, to sign him. Clark Salter on loan from Chelsea. He had started poorly, however, now him and Mark Roberts really got a nice partnership going. Uh, Pedersen and Colin, our fullbacks, have always been good. Now, what's really surprising here is Lee Camp yeah. has saved three or four penalties this season, and he in fact got an assist against Bristol City. Yeah, for it's like Edison, goal. isn't it's, it? I don't know. What a player. I don't know what he's been eating for breakfast, but keep it up, Lee. Keep it up. Yeah, keep that Weetabix going in. Good work. Gary Gardner as well has has played well for us. To be fair. Um, just a bizarre turnaround. It is. I, I did not see this coming. Yeah, I thought I was, it was getting to the point where I thought we were doomed. To be quite honest, and I mean last night, first clean sheet in a eighteen very long time. <laughs> eighteen games in the league. Yeah, I think that's right. Which is uh, pretty wild. In that Blues now up to fourteenth. Um, probably we're actually only ten off the playoffs. 10 off the playoffs. Thirteen off the 13, drop. Thirteen above the drop, and that's the important thing. For possibly, Blues, really. possibly you'd say safe. I think mm. yeah, I think they're safe, safe now. Forty three points. That's do you? Yeah, fifty the mark. Yeah, you'd want around usually fifty to fifty five. So they're going to be fine. Yeah, Dave, are you dreaming of the playoffs? Uh, again, to my earlier point, if we had some squad cover, then potentially. But I just like one injury to Jukovic or Hogan. We we physically have no one else in the squad that can do what either of them do. Um, even with wingers if Bella gets injured I know he was rested and didn't start but Montero oh god if he's a if he's a somehow still a professional footballer hold on is that Jefferson Montero Jefferson Montero good lord I watched he, him get Ivanovic fit he oh. is he's not great uh, <laughs> to say the least 
to the point where I'm thinking maybe my cat could do more down the wing here. Um, Mag Ho- Homer, great servant to the club, but past it. If if we end up with those two playing, um, then yeah, it's not an go too well for us. No. I don't think. But, but at the moment, doing very very well. So I'd, I'd seen Mike made a hashtag there on Twitter that was leading to Millwall Fulham and I was very concerned when he stopped before the UL what was about to be tweeted from our podcast Twitter <laughs> <laughs> um, yes you can take from that what you will <laughs> um, yeah but Blue's big turnaround it's been quite nice to see um, we were going to talk about League 1 and League 2 but it's getting a bit long in the tooth and uh, to be honest I don't care about those leagues. What irrelevant leagues? Um, Sorry, Tony. Listeners, I'll put League One and League Two. Me and Mike Cat will just doesn't. Yeah. I know. I've, I've actually spent some time looking at both leagues, ready in preparation for this. So. Well, we can. Um, we're not talking. What about a shame! Um, <laughs> You've missed out on my yeah. insight. Uh, well, Dave took too long in the tooth talking about blues. Um, as you probably the man you give me t- give me two weeks and I'll be fuming again. Let me bask in the glory, Will. <laughs> okay, um, Dave. If the, the lovely listeners or viewers, as you're so fond of calling them, <laughs> want to find your angry takes about blues, where can they follow you? Uh, Twitter at Dave Harris underscore 44. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, you do a bit of football writing. Yep. Um, so that, that, at 40 Files, if you want to see some of that, you can also follow me uh, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter as well. Um, you can follow me at WillHunt17 on Twitter if you want to keep up with my random thoughts about how Kepa's a fraud. Um, but more interestingly, you can follow the In and Around accounts. We've got, oh, we're on Twitter, at In and Around Pod, and that is our main one where we uh, tweet about transfers, we talk about the games that are happening. It's also crucially where we tell you when the pod's out, so you probably want to follow us there. We're also on Instagram and uh Facebook. However, I can't remember the handles off the top of my head. I'm looking for Brez for help. It's just at, at in round pod on both of them. Oh God, look at that synergy! That um, glorious. Interestingly enough, I know we promised last week that we'd be up on Apple Podcasts, and believe it or not, it actually came through a bit quicker. So you can follow us on SoundCloud at in and around podcast, but you can also follow us on Apple at in around pod. And we would love it if you would be very kind and leave us a nice review and a five star. Hopefully, if you enjoy the pod, because it is a big help if you do enjoy the pod please share it with your friends and family tell your nan about this this crazy blues fan that's saying that playing a small striker off a big one's genius um and uh we'll be on spotify soon if you're interested and uh we'll see you next week thanks for listening cheers guys catch you later